A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Eleven counties in Wisconsin have had a bird flu outbreak in domestic flocks, and DATCAP recently put out an order stopping the movement of domestic birds to live shows. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. When there is an avian influenza outbreak, it means those flocks have to be depopulated to prevent the disease from spreading. But this virus spreads in the wild, too. Here to answer what disease mitigation looks like among wild birds is DNR veterinarian Lindsay Long. Lindsay, first, can you tell us how you quantify the impact that the avian flu has on wild birds? Well, it's a little difficult because we have to look at it by the strain that we're dealing with. So um, avian influenza viruses obviously are very unique in each other, like there's different subtypes of the viruses and there's different strains in those subtypes. And those differences create mannerisms of how um, domestic birds are impacted and also they can change how wild birds are impacted. We have a lot of what we call um, strains that we find regularly in waterfowl, especially in water birds that are what we would consider adapted or almost like variants that we find regularly that don't cause any disease in um, those populations. So they're, they'd be more like a minor inconsequential flu. They might show a little bit of being under the weather, but we don't see mortalities associated with them. And even with some of the um, high path avian influenzas, if they get over into wild birds, sometimes, most of the time, you know, we really don't see a big response in wild birds. This particular um, HPAI, we actually have seen mortalities in wild birds, especially in some specific duck species and um, and in some of our raptor species. So this particular strain is having an impact on wild birds. Have you been able to get numbers on that or like our, which populations are you seeing fall? So right now I, I don't think we would have an impact on at a population level, especially like with our migratory waterfowl. But we do see local instances, especially in some of our raptor species where there might be fewer like nesting populations this year, especially like in, say, bald eagles in some areas. We're still learning more about this virus, and, you know, this has been an extended spring season for us where we've seen more activity. So we're going to have to monitor further on. But right now, like the major species that we've seen um, that have been, like, having clinical disease with it are, like, our, some bald eagles, some great horned owls, and some of our other hawk species. I want to just zero in on hunters specifically for folks who are out for duck season, turkey season, or pheasant hunting. Do you foresee any changes, or is DNR talking about making any changes because of those populations? Not at this time, no. Like with turkey hunting, we have turkey hunting season ongoing right now, and I I wish all those hunters luck. I was not so lucky in my first attempts this year. But our turkey species, actually, they don't come in contact with the virus as often. So while we think of them as being a susceptible bird to avian influenza viruses. They just don't come into contact as often. And we have not detected this virus in any turkeys this year in Wisconsin. In terms of waterfowl, we've got a ways to go yet. So typically we will, in a typical year, we would see a drastic reduction in avian influenza virus activity over the summer because of sunlight, birds dispersing and not being in such close 
tight-knit groups. And so there's not less, there's less transmission between birds at those points of time. So we'll see, you know, this is, like I said, this virus has been acting slightly different in terms of what birds it affects. So this summer, as those birds disperse, and we're mo- we'll continue to monitor for ill birds and mortalities so that we can investigate if we're still seeing transmission this summer yet. And I'm happy to say that I've been by the DNR pheasant operation in Poinette, Wisconsin, Tell me about the biosecurity measures that you have had to put in place to stop spreading from impacting those operations. So similar to any um, production facility, we our um, Poinette team actually had a biosecurity plan already in place with different levels, dependent on the um, risk that we have going on in the state right now. So right now they are at their tightest risk, meaning that they control movement of trucks and people that come in or out of the facility. They have very strict biosecurity practices um, regarding people even going into where the pheasants are. So they've instituted something very similar to what you would think of being instituted at a um, at another like at a production facility. How do we know if a wild bird has avian flu, and what should people do about it? Well. Typically, what, what is easiest for people to see for species that are, have been affected or are actually getting diseased from this virus is the neurologic signs. That means sometimes they'll have head tremors, body tremors. They may not be able to walk properly. They may not be able to hold their wings property, properly. A lot of times they'll be um, swimming in circles. So we do are um, taking calls regarding waterfowl that are doing those or water birds like herons. And then, of course, our raptor species, if those signs are noted. In general, for other, like, more, and we continue to always monitor for, like, mortality events. With birds, that typically means when you notice something going on with five or more. So if you have a situation where you've noticed five sick or dead birds in one location, that's a good time to notify us as well. So that's something we do regularly. It's not just in relationship to HPAI. We have other diseases that can impact our wildlife, just like there's other diseases that can impact domestic animals as well. So, Lindsay, my neighbor here in Madison actually has a backyard flock. And I'm curious, how how should he try to keep wild birds away? Because that's another fear, right, that a, that mm-hmm. a wild bird carrying the virus can bring it into your domestic flock. The species that would ha- harbor the most risk would be, like, waterfowl. Research on songbirds and other passerines shows that there is limited, if no activity, very, very, very limited, like, I mean, super small um, activity in those birds. Like, they don't even show exposure. But to reduce risk at the best, like, if you have the backyard birds, you probably want to reduce other food, like, non-native food sources for wild birds. So you don't want to have, like, bird feeders out for wild birds if you have domestic birds at this point. You want to make sure, like, if you are a hunter or if you're going on hikes or you like to watch birds, make sure that you're not bringing that footwear or and walking through where your chickens are, right? So if you're going to waterfowl areas or wetland areas where you're going to be in muck and fecal matter, you know, following those biosecurity protocols that um, DATCAP has up for backyard birders as well as USDA are re- really good um, resources. Now, I want to go back to something you said earlier about warmer weather and sunlight kind of being an upside. Can you explain how does warmer weather impact the spreading of avian influenza? Are we going to see a downhill in cases now? We would hope so. Um, So I guess it's helping birds this first because it's also, I don't know 
how many of your listeners are up on up in northern Wisconsin, but we had ice up there until just very recently. So we had a lot of birds that were staging to go up to where they normally nest, but they were waiting because there was no place for them to go, right? Because there was still ice out on, on a lot of lakes. So that's one way that they disperse, and so they start to disperse out to nesting sites. So they're going to be moving up, moving out further. With the virus, the virus doesn't like sunlight. UV rays actually help to reduce the amount of, or of virus in the environment as well. Unfortunately, as you can imagine, like where you have like a lot of mud and things where in waterways, you could have prolonged virus activity in those areas if, if it's exposed. But in most cases, we start to see less available virus in both birds and in the environment when it, as it warms up. You know, looking forward or looking, you know, into the summer, what is top of mind for DNR when it comes to these bird viruses? And maybe it's beyond avian influenza. We will continue to monitor our populations. We monitor for um, health and numbers. We will work with partners along the flyway. So because most of these species are migratory, we work closely with our colleagues in other states along the Mississippi Flyway, as well as in the Fish and Wildlife Service, to determine our next best practices, including um, monitoring and um, population assessment. Lindsay, I do want to make a comparison between the last avian influenza outbreak in 2015 and the one we're experiencing today. You kind of alluded to it, but is it worse this time around for wild birds? We, we only detected that high-pass avian influenza in one bird in 2015, and it was a snowy owl. So we actually didn't, we didn't pick up the virus in circulating at the level it is circulating this year. DNR veterinarian Lindsay Long was able to get me updated numbers for the impact this year's bird flu strain has on wild birds. DNR collected 141 bird carcasses that showed signs of avian influenza. 61 of those birds across 26 counties had the bird flu. So now you can see there's a 61 to 1 ratio so far in bird mortalities compared to the 2015 strain. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.